Insights to Live By, the podcast, discovering new pearls of wisdom to enrich our lives. What does it take to develop yourself and others most effectively? Hello and Welcome to Insights to Live By. I am your host, Matt Zinman. So grateful to have you here. Thank you so much for taking time to spend with us on what I know you will find to be a very universal topic to put into practice and an amazing guest with us. He is a speaker and trainer, the founder and host of the Talent Development Think Tank, a conference and community, and the author of Own Your Career, Own your life. Andy Storch, welcome to the show, my friend. Matt, thank you so much for having me on. I'm grateful to be here. Man, I have so been looking forward to the conversation. Uh, You do such a great job being out and about, uh, always seeing you at your conferences, everybody's smiling, having a great time. Um, You know, we're meeting here for the first time today. And and I genuinely mean this, Andy. I, I think the what really comes through for me in, in just from, uh, from the outside, looking at your social media, getting to know you in that way, you're so authentic. Mm. You just, you really bring it. And you and I know you just have to say, mm, cause you're authentic. You don't want to, you know, you don't want to say more than that, but it's true. It's true. You're a great guy. Um, today I know we're, we're in recording mode is international, um, women's day. Today is international women's day as right. you and I are recording this. That's yeah, right. And, right. And neither of us are women. And we are not, but I <laughs> I brought it up because you, you, you made a post earlier today and you're like celebrating all these women in your life and your family and your wife and your, you know, your family, man. Um, I just really appreciate it. You know, like not everybody does that. You're just, you're you, man. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that, Matt. I, I really do. I try to be uh, completely authentic. You know, social media, it's always tough, right? We, we celebrate the wins. It's the highlight reel for many people. We have to keep that in mind as we're looking at what other people are doing. Um, you know, but I try to share the, the, the ups and the downs be, and, and absolutely show up as, as who I am. And, you know, to the point of it being International Women's Day to doing a post celebrating these women in my life, like my mother and my wife and my assistant, Stephanie, and uh, so many mentors and friends that I've had is, you know, to take it even away from gender for a second and just recognize that none of us are really going to make it on our own. Right? We need help from others. We need partnership. We need mentorship. We need coaching. We need support in so many different ways. Um, I believe humans are social creatures and we really do best when we're collaborating and working with others. And I am so grateful for all of the great support and help I've had on this journey from so many people in my life, especially today, the women in my life who have helped me along my way and, and really uh, laid the path forward. Got it. You know, look, I mean, Andy, you also have your own podcast or multiple podcasts. Is that right? Um, yeah, I've started three over the years. I've got a couple that I'm still uh, operating today, the Talent Development Think Tank and the Own Your Career show. Yeah, you know, and you have such a broad range of different different aspects. And I do like to go deep and, and drill in the areas, especially that are practical for helping people. We have two different areas that I want to get into. One is really more um, broad in and around the talent development community and some of the trends that are happening in the marketplace in a macro sense, but also want to get down to ground level and helping people in for the very purpose of your book about owning their career and their lives. And what are some of the things they can do there to do just that? Um, 
tell me about tell us about the the talent development think tank and and your work for the the community overall. Yeah, well, you know, I'll, I'll tell you through story. I got into this space many years ago when I got a job with a really cool consulting company uh, firm called BTS, and uh, had an opportunity to kind of travel all around the world working with big companies, running leadership development workshops, teaching things like strategy and finance and and uh, and business acumen. And uh, the most typical common client I was working with were people in talent development or learning and development. And as I made a transition from that to becoming independent consultant, getting into doing a lot more leadership development work uh, with different types of partners. Uh, I was often working with people in talent development. So I started what was my second podcast in 2018, uh, which was called the Talent Development Hot Seat at the time. It's now called the Talent Development Think Tank uh, as a way to build connections with people in the industry and learn you know, what's going on. And um, you know, I tried to put out a quality product as well. And fortunately, it, it kind of you know caught on. People started listening to it. And I built a lot of great relationships and that grew to a point where in uh, 2019, I ended up building a conference with a friend of mine called the Talent Development Think Tank Conference. And that happened uh, for the first time in January 2020. And uh, it was a huge hit. It was a lot of work to put a conference together. Uh, we, we did get some, luckily, we got some pretty big name speakers of that first one, like Josh Burson and Liz Weissman and Michael Bungay Stanier. Um, but we were still kind of two, uh, you know, unknown, unknown guys putting this conference together. So it's on a marketing and sales work as you would understand, you would expect. Uh, but we sold it out. It was, a, it was a big success. People loved it. We started selling tickets to the next one. And then of course, you know, what happened, you know, just two months later, the, the pandemic shut everything down and we knew we weren't going to be going to conferences anymore for a while. And that's when I launched right. the talent development think tank membership community as a way to keep people connected in the talent development space. And so they could keep learning and connecting with others. It's sort of like an ongoing conference, if you will. I had personally been a, a member of many paid membership communities in the past. And they've always been so helpful uh, from dad's communities to entrepreneur communities. And uh, so I created this and it's been kind of slowly growing since then. We have calls every week. We bring in lots of guest speakers. Um, and I'm really proud of the way we connect people. And I help people uh, build relationships, make friends, get answers to their questions, and really help them become more effective in their roles in talent development. So now we still have the podcast. Uh, we have the community that's been ongoing, and we just hosted the second conference uh, just two weeks back in Sonoma, California, right. and uh, that was a big hit as well. I saw that. I saw the pictures. It, clearly, you guys are doing some great work. I mean, uh, and and just the vibe you know, again, is, is very, very evident. Um, Andy, what would you say are some of the, the high points about the state of things in the industry in and around talent development, anything in particular that you see on the horizon in terms of where things are going? Uh, and uh, I'll just make the question a little bit more complex. Any particular challenges, things that are some shortcomings that need to be overcome? Yeah, let's take this. Let's take this hard question and make it even more complex. Let's I like go. that. Yeah. Um, there's so many challenges and things that that people are working on. You know, one that is interesting. And if we take things back, you know, I mentioned we hosted that conference and the pandemic hit, which uh, actually happened three years ago this week. Right, the world shut down and yeah. and everything changed. And I felt I feel like that really put the talent development professionals in a very pivotal position where they were being asked now to rotate and keep people in the company engaged and developing them uh, in you know a virtual environment where people working remote for the first time for many companies. And a lot of people really stepped up and did that well. And talent development became 
more of an integral and important part of many companies where it was just seen as sort of a cost center or a training uh, arm in the past. And so, you know, in many respects, I think there were opportunities there that helped a lot of talent development professionals become more strategic and more important in the business. You know, since then, um, I think, you know, many people in L&D and HR and, and companies at large are going to be, have been and are going to be struggling with this sort of ongoing question of what's the right way to approach work now in this post-COVID world, if we can call it that, uh, where a lot of companies are still, you know, people are working remotely. A lot of companies are asking people to come back. And I think you're going to see that we're going to have a mix of, you know, maybe 20% of companies that are saying, you absolutely must be in the office. And about 20% of companies that are saying, no, we're going fully remote. We're getting rid of our offices, right? And then you get about 60% that are in between somewhere in this kind of hybrid way of like, maybe you come in one or two days a week, or maybe it's at your choice, or maybe we have one office or multiple office. And I think a lot of companies are still trying to figure that out. Right. And I think I see learning and development, talent development being right in the middle of that, because you're also trying to figure out how do we develop people when some people are in the office, some people are remote, how do we provide, you know, great opportunities for people to move up to, to become better leaders and better professionals. And then at the same time, if you look at uh, like some of the data that's been out there, McKinsey had a, a report that came out last year on workplace uh, development and careers. And the number one thing, and this confirms everything that I've been hearing from my conversations with talent development professionals for the last three years or so, the number one thing that people want in their careers right now is development. They want to know how are they going to grow yep. in when they take a job. Now, of course, that's broad, right? Everybody's an individual. Everybody has their own. Some people are like, I'm just in it for the money. But I feel like that's pretty rare. For the most part, people want to know, how am I going to grow? If I take this job, how am I going to grow here? And then according to the McKinsey report, the number one reason why people leave their jobs now is lack of career growth or perceived career growth or development, right? And so the big challenge for people in talent development today is how do we provide more and better development for our employees who are asking for it when at the same time, they're saying, we don't have time for it, right? We're so busy. Uh, it's hard to take time to go to a class, go to a program, um, do this or that. So how do you help people uh, you know, develop in their careers, grow in their careers, learn more things, provide that for them, and also give them the space and maybe the security to say, take some time to actually do it when they feel pressure, they feel like they can't do it. Do you, do you feel like people are in a position of more self-serve, like they have to go get that for themselves and it's available to them? Or the companies are more of a push strategy where they recognize this and they're making time and space for people to actually get that development. What's what's the push-pull trend that you see on that point? Yeah, it's it's a different mix in different places. But when I think about successful career development growth, I see there being three main pillars, all right? So the first one is the company or organization providing the tools and the pathways and the opportunities for people to be able to grow in their career. So are they providing those, those courses, right? Whether it be LinkedIn Learning or like your course or my course, are they providing opportunities for people to be able to, to move around and get different positions to move up or across the organization? Um, are they making it easy for people to figure these things out? And, and is there a culture that, um, you know, tells people like, hey, it's okay to strive and try to do different things and not just stick in your job, right? So that's number one. Number two is having managers, the leaders, provide coaching and guidance to people to support them 
in becoming successful in their careers, right? Because uh, as much as I'm all about owning your career, uh, it's, you know, for the most part in corporate America, you can't really go too far without support from your manager, right? You need that. And there's a lot of great managers out there who want to support their people and they just don't know how. Um, and there's, you know, there's a few bad ones, but for the most part, I think people are good and they want to support each other. They just don't know quite how to do it. But when they're really engaged, they're having those regular career coaching conversations. They're asking the questions, you know, how can I support you in your career? Where do you want to get to? And they're really looking for ways to multiply their people. Uh, and then the third pillar would be employees actually taking ownership of their careers, right? Taking full responsibility, getting clarity on what they want to do and where they want to go and being proactive in going and having those conversations with their manager, with their mentors, with other people in the organization, setting goals and making a plan to achieve it. And I think things are working really well when you have all three parties taking responsibility. So it's not just all about, oh, as an individual, like the company has to provide me with, with opportunities and I'm going to sit here and just wait for them to provide it. Or it's all about the manager. We do need those things. But employees need to take responsibility as well and figure out what they want and then be able to go to their manager or go to the company um, and take advantage of those learning resources, right? Because a lot of times companies do provide tons of learning resources and then people don't take advantage of it because they don't know what they want. They're not making the time. They're not taking responsibility for their own learning and development, and their own growth. Yeah, and I, 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 there's no one answer here for, you know, all these everywhere being different, every individual being unique. There are a number of key hot spots that I think I've identified, I'd, I'd love to hear your thoughts about working backwards, one being the manager themselves, especially coming out of the pandemic, mm -hmm. um, especially in everything you described around the, the organizational dynamics of uh, remote and hybrid and, and everything in between. And the role of the manager in and around, especially supporting people's well-being. And is the manager really equipped from a training standpoint, being there on the front line to support people to address their universal needs, the, the holistic needs. Uh, it seems like there's a real gap there still for companies to train and support managers who are right there on the front line with people about how to handle the new world of work, if you will. What, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, uh, I, I think that's the biggest challenge that companies are working on, investing in, looking to solve. When I talk to companies, it's uh, almost everybody I talk to is working on a leadership development program or has some type of leadership development program. Is how do I help our managers uh, become better leaders and have more of those conversations, those career conversations, crucial conversations, important conversations, whatever it may be, and really lead their people. Um, and that is probably the most critical factor. But I think what's missing a lot of times is the employees actually taking ownership, right? And taking responsibility in that relationship. And that's where I come in. And that's the, the work that I'm doing, speaking in organizations and running the training program that I have to teach people how to own their careers. Because we have this challenge where there are a lot, I mentioned like, you know, there's a few bad managers out there, but I think most leaders, most managers, like most people are good and they want to help their people succeed. They just don't know how, or they don't know what their people want. And so you've got employees that are sitting there um, you know, starting to feel a little bit stagnant, wondering, you know, what's next for me? Nothing's coming my way. And, you know, if you're listening, that might be you. And oftentimes they get on LinkedIn and find out like, okay, well, what else can I do? My friend, uh, John just took a job in this spot. Like maybe I should check that out. And there really might be an opportunity if they'd be willing to just get really clear on what they want to do and be proactive and have a conversation with their manager. 
they might be able to figure out an opportunity right there. If you work for a company with 10,000 employees, there's like tons of roles and opportunities there. The company could save you. You could keep your knowledge there, not to go through a transition or, you know, try something over again or start something new. Um, there's just, there's a lot of opportunity there that is being missed because people are not taking ownership. They're not getting clarity. They're not being proactive. They're not having those conversations. Um, but absolutely, like the leader plays a huge role in that. And it's quite possible that an employee says like, oh yeah, I figured out what I want to do. And they go talk to their manager and the manager's like, no, I'm sorry, I'm not going to help you. Right? That happened to me personally in my own career. I, I did, went through this step and I figured out what I wanted to do. And I went to my manager, this was 15 years ago. And I said, hey, I think we could shift things and I want to do something different to take advantage of my strengths. And, and he basically said, no, go back to work. And so I was disappointed in that moment, but I also knew then that it was time for me to move on and do something different. Right. And so I'm very grateful to him that he said that because it, it set me off on the path that I'm, I've am i been on to get to where I am today, right? All part of my journey. But I also tell that story and point out for managers and companies that if he had said, yeah, let's figure out how to utilize your strengths and create something for you, then I would have probably would have stayed and I might still be there today, 15 years later. Right. And uh, you know, it's a perfect segue for where we're going to go with the conversation because there are a lot of people who are in that spot. I mean, the data doesn't lie how many people are looking mm -hmm. for other jobs or at least open to those yeah. in, in the next year. And you know, how, what is the right way to go about that? But I just want to stay macro on, on one other trend uh, that I'd love to your take on about, which is in and around wellness in particular. And mm. my, my sense, especially when you're talking about the high level of burnout, which is an easy you know, statistic to, to point to, um, yep. that, that employees are not being supported well enough. And that what, to me, again, I'm outsider looking in, I can't speak to any one individual company, that's a blanket statement, but my sense is that a lot of companies are checking boxes, that they might be throwing wellness programming at people, you know, here's, here's your option to do this, your option to do that. It's just scratching the surface. It's not really getting at the root cause. It's not teaching the individuals the, the kinds of life, the holistic skills that they need to take better care of themselves, to advocate for themselves, and you know all that goes with that. And that there seems to be this disconnect to me between wellness programming that can only go so far. Maybe it's even mm -hmm. like a, a benefit strategy. It doesn't necessarily plug into L&D where deeper skills need to be instilled to help people deal with some of the things that we're talking about. What are, there's a lot of moving parts here, but you know where I'm going with this in terms of, you know, what's the state of, of things in your view? Am I, am I yeah, getting, am I getting yeah, that yeah. right? Well, how do we solve that? I mean, you're, you're on it. I, I do think, look, I don't know. Everybody's in a different situation, individually, companies, right? I think this became a huge issue in 2020 and 2021, when uh, a lot of people were working, everybody was working remotely. A lot of people were, um, you know, sort of like stuck in their houses. They weren't really going too many places. And you saw people working more than ever and taking less vacation and less time for them and doing things less for them. They weren't able to go out and do as much as maybe they used to. And so it became a big problem. I feel like I'm not hearing about it as much these days. I think, a lot, you know, for one reason, we've kind of, simmered back down. I won't say that we've gotten back to quote normal, but you know, people are out and about doing the stuff that they used to be doing for the most part before the pandemic. Companies are inviting people back to the office. Uh, I think companies have also recognized this and provided more wellness benefits. You know, there's coaching and therapy and um, 
just all kinds of stuff that's available now to employees in bigger companies. Um, but at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter how much the company provides. One of the key critical factors is the way the leader is approaching this, the manager is approaching this and treating their employees, right? Are they approaching their employees with empathy and um, you know curiosity, or are they just like, get to work, get to work, get this done, get this done, driving and not really paying attention to how that person is feeling and, and where they are out on this? Because there are a lot of people still burning out. And a lot of times it's because they're working really hard on you know lots of hours, often on things that they're not that passionate about, because I think that's a that's a factor in it, right? If people are really passionate about the work they're doing, they don't mind working long, long hours. But when they don't care about it, then it's it's really hard to stomach after a while. And you know, one of the simple solutions is just managers just checking in with people, being humans, right? Having some empathy and just seeing like, hey, how are things going? How are you feeling? Like, I know you've been working a lot. Do you need to take some time off? Like, what do you want to do? And, and even pushing people to take some time off here and there. I've seen more and more big companies doing that. Right. Uh, you know, having full shutdown weeks around the holidays and 4th of July and, and stuff like that. Uh, and, and giving more holidays, wellness days to employees. And, you know, bravo for that. There's still tons and tons of like smaller and mid-sized companies in this country that are not going to be doing that. And we've got to rely on managers to actually connect with their employees in a human way and, um, you know, find out what's going on with them and, and show some some compassion, really some love for their people. Because at the end of the day, like we got to remember, like we're all humans, like business is, is great. Business has got to be done. Um, but we're all humans. And it, like a lot of the business stuff isn't even going to matter at the end of the day, right? Like your, how you treat people and how you care for them is what informs your legacy. It's what they remember you by. And I think that's really, really important. You sound like Claude Silver right there. I'm just going to say it. <laughs> I am a big Claude Silver fan and, uh, and and disciple as well. She spoke at our conference a couple of weeks ago. Uh, of course, she talks a lot about empathy and compassion and uh, gratitude. And I just, I love all those things. Uh, and I'm a Gary Vee super fan as well. Yeah. I know you guys are buddies and she was on the show and, uh, you know, I remain a fan and, and you guys are, That's awesome. you know, very much on, on the same vein. You know, the, um, I'm going to, I'm going to shoot my proverbial shot here. In the sense, Andy, in that uh, this is this is a systemic thing that you're you're in a better position than I am to influence, and that is, I believe that wellness programming should be folded into talent development, mm. and that it should be integrated with the skill sets that need to be ingrained in supporting people in order to take better care of themselves and not just go and, you know, do this mindfulness class with all due respect to mindfulness classes and have right. it be more of, of, of substance and that the budgets as a result will then be uh, appropriate, appropriately appropriated um, mm. for, for the, for the actual human needs that, that exist. So um, yeah, I agree just, with you. Just I on. absolutely agree. And I, and I think, we are seeing it's just my out i'm an outsider as well like i haven't worked in the you know in that role as a practitioner um but i do see my outside perspective uh is that things like wellness and dei which may have been completely separate entities or silos or roles in the past right. are becoming a lot more integrated with uh talent development and all of those things becoming more important for the organization we need to develop our people we absolutely must provide uh, create an inclusive culture where people feel like they belong. And we need to create a culture where people can be human and are not going to work their, you know, to the bone and, and, and burn out, right. Or they feel like they can have a good 
uh, quality of life while they're working there. And I think uh, the best organizations are creating cultures that integrate all these things and place an importance on all of them. Well, perfectly said. I mean, Andy, if you, if, if you ever need any kind of, uh, you know, backup on this point, second opinion, you know where to find it. I'm here. I'm here yeah, for you, man. Appreciate it. Anytime. Sounds good. Um, so over to the, uh, to, to the ground level, uh, any number of people in and around the, the, the focus of your own, your career, own your life, uh, the messaging, the, the support that you give people along these lines, let's say that they are the, the likes of what you described. They're in their job. They're not getting developed, whatever the reason, uh, you know, we're all humans. They, they want something better. How do they, how do they take ownership of their, you know, of their career in that moment? Um, they have a secure job, you know, how, you know, I know there's maybe some of this yeah. is ABCs, but it's really not. There's, there's some technical nuances. Yeah, here. absolutely. Well, thoughts? the first step, Matt, is self-awareness. And, and that starts with self-reflection. And it's something that's missing for so many people in the corporate world. I know you're you know, big on mindset and mindfulness and, and wellness, and, and I'm sure you take time for this, but a lot of people just don't take much time to get to know themselves and understand like where they are and where they're going. And it's really as simple as just sitting down with a with a cup of coffee or tea and a notebook and a pen in a quiet space with no distractions and just writing, you know, hey, like where am I in my career? How did I get here? What do I like about it? What do I not like about it? What are my strengths? What are my weaknesses? Like being honest with yourself about those things. What are my values? The things that I really care about that are most important to me? Uh, what are my energizers? Like what are those things that light me up, that get me excited, that I love doing at work? Uh, what are the drain drainers, you know, the things that I hate doing at work? And um, where do I really want to go with my career? If I could just kind of design my ideal career, what would I be doing in, say, five years? And get clarity on that vision for what you want to do. And then you can start asking the question, does that fit in with what I'm doing now? Is what I'm doing now aligned with that? Can I get there from here by staying with the same company or staying in the same type of function or role? Or do I need to make a big change? And then either way, regardless of what the answer to that question is, the next step is to put a plan together, right? Like I heard a quote a long time ago that a goal without a plan is really just a wish. And people are walking around all over the time, all over the place with wishes, right? Oh, I'd love to be vice president one day. I'd love to have that kind of money to afford that house. I'd love to have a life like he does. I'd love to host a conference. I'd love to write a book, whatever it is, right? Whatever your goal is, it's great that it you'd like to, but if you want to really do it, you've got to put a plan in place. And then that includes usually in creating some um, some goals. I'm a fan of using smart goals, specific, measurable, actionable, relative, time-bound, uh, so that you have something that's specific that you can look at, that you can track, that you can share with others and say, this is what I'm working on. This is what I want to accomplish in this time frame." And then once you have those that vision, you have those goals written down, uh, you make the plan, you can ask for help, right? Find a coach, a mentor, a colleague, go to your manager and say, this is what I want to do. Can you support me in this? Like, do you have ideas? How can you help me? Because no matter what it is you want to do or what challenge you're facing, like people have done it before, right? Like, and there's people that have ideas that can help you. Not everybody can, but if you ask enough people, uh, they'll, you'll find some ideas and things that can help you. But one thing I've noticed over time is that uh, people can't help you unless they know what you want, right? And so you've got to be willing to share that with your manager, mentor, whoever it is. And then the last thing I would add to that is if you can also take that vision for where you want to go and connect it to a purpose, right? Which is your your why behind it, that makes it even more powerful, right? The why, like, why do you show up to work every day? Why do you do the work you do? And, you know, going back to the self-reflection, that's a question you ask yourself now. Why do I do the job that I do? Why am I in this career? 
why do I feel the way I do about it? And the answer might be that, you know, your parents recommended it or you accidentally fell into it because a friend recruited into you into it five years ago. And that's just that was the only job you could get at the time. Like I've been there, right? There's nothing wrong with that. It's not about feeling guilty about the past. It's about taking stock of the situation you're in now and then asking, you know, being really honest with yourself. Like, do I like doing this? Do I want to do more of this? Do I want to do something different? And do I need to, you know, go change jobs? Do I need to get a degree? Do I need to, you know, build my network in a certain space? Like, what do I need to do to accomplish the thing that I want to accomplish? And then put a plan together, ask for help and, and go get it done. Yeah, I mean, look, there's also a lot to be said for aligning with your purpose and needing to know what that is to begin with. And mm. uh, coming back to just even the the root of it all, I mean, the, the kinds of things that we're talking about in our career, including in the way that most people fall into their career, are not taught. <laughs> They're not learned skills. Right. I mean, I, I, you know, and, and I come from a background on the career side as well, and it's always fascinated me, although I don't know the exact exact statistics, but I could tell you that a large portion of people never land in the job that they got their degree in. Right. Or they don't stay in that job very long, realizing once they start to get the actual experience versus what they thought it was going to be, it's not what they really want to do. And so at the same time, they're also never really taught career skills. Most people don't know what an informational interview is, for example. Right. For example. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, you know, how do you get from here to there? Uh, is is always the challenge and and you could be in a job and you know supporting your family and and being good at what you do and not really liking it and wanting mm -hmm. to make some kind of a change but not even have the the career skill skills to know how to get from here to there even if you do know your why and how you want to align it you still might feel trapped um, any thoughts for how people can break through that those barriers in order to get from, let's say they now know where they want to go. They, I, I, what yeah. I'm doing right now isn't right. What, what are a few, a few practical things they can do to kind of move the ball in the direction of where they want to get? Yeah. I mean, this is tough because we talked about getting clarity on a vision, getting to know yourself, set a vision, setting goals, making a plan. And that all sounds great, right? You can put this down on paper. Um, but I do truly believe that the the number one thing that kind of separates those people you consider successful from those who are not is execution, right? It's implementation. It's taking action on those things, right? It, it, people can make plans all day. Um, I know a lot of people who are obsessed with learning, which is fantastic. And the interesting thing is that I believe we have unprecedented access to knowledge today, more access to knowledge than we've ever had in the history of, of mankind, right? Not just that, oh, there's tons and tons of information on the internet. It's that you think back a couple hundred years ago, you know, only rich people had access to like really great knowledge, right? Now you could learn how to do anything almost for free, if not, you know, $17 for a book or something like that on Amazon. So it's not about knowledge. It's about what do you do with that? And you put that plan together, are you going to take action? And people have asked me, Lita, what holds people back from taking that action, from, you know, achieving those things that they put down. And sometimes it's it's maybe the lack of ability, but most of the time it's fear, right? It's it's fear, it's limiting beliefs, imposter syndrome, all of these things kind of fall in the same bucket, right? It, and the fear is fear, fear of failure, right? What if I try and I fail? Right. Um, fear, of, fear of rejection, you know, what if I go out for this thing and, and people tell you, tell me no, or they judge me and and fear of judgment, right? And so like, what if I try this thing and I fail and people laugh at me? Um, you've got to look at those things 
And you got to ask yourself, you know, how much do I care about going after this thing? And if I truly care about it, does it really matter what other people think? Does it really matter if I fail? And one question I go to when I'm when I'm looking at a, a, a big decision like this is I will consult my future self, you know, go to yourself who's 50, 60, 70 years old, maybe on your deathbed, 95 years old, you're into your life right. and you go, hey, older Matt, hey, older Andy, like I'm thinking about quitting my job and starting this business. What would you want me to do? And you, chances are, you know, the answer, right? Because your older self is like, dude, go for it. You know what? You can always get another job, but I know I'm going to regret it if I don't, if I didn't ever try to start that business. I didn't ask that girl out. I didn't, you know, try to move to that city I wanted to live in. I didn't take that trip, whatever it is that you want, you know, you really want to do. Obviously we got to be pragmatic as well. You know, you got bills to pay. Like, you know, I, I really want to quit my job and go join the circus. Like, that's cool. Actually, I don't think the circus is around anymore. But, you know, whatever it is, like, <laughs> you know, add some practicality to it because you do need to save money and and take care of your family and all that sort of stuff. But, you know, think about the dreams that you want to follow. <clears throat> and what are you going to regret if you don't go after it? And then the last thing in there would be, like, a lot of people have limiting beliefs. They think, well, that's great that, you know, Andy's talking about this stuff or this other person did it. Like, that's not for me. I can't do it. And I would just ask, why not? Like, why can't you? Why do you think you can't? That's usually just a voice in your head telling you that you can't because of something your parents said to you, your friends said to you early on. But you're probably a lot more capable of things than you think, capable of doing way more than you think. Uh, and I would look to find coaches, mentors, friends, cheerleaders who are absolutely cheering you on and can reinforce your strengths and the things that you are really great at doing and remind you that like, yeah, you are absolutely capable of doing this thing. You just got to put a plan together and start taking action. And it might take longer than you you think. You might fail along the way, but you'll be glad that you took a shot. Yeah, I mean, you're you're right there where what people need to hear here, Andy. And uh, I'm I'm the same mindset around potential regret and really putting it on the scale and and recognizing that you know which is worse, you know, to 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 make it through and have to um, deal with, uh, someone, uh, judging me versus how I will feel about not doing something if I don't push through that. And, and, uh, it's great advice. Um, we're definitely going to come back to any final thoughts you have in and around, you know, these very, uh, key topics. We are going to move on to our, uh, insights to live by segment of the show, but before we do, uh, you might know, Andy, we have a little segment here about insights about you, Andy Storch right here on the screen. We're going to spin this wheel and we're going to see where it lands and uh, randomly find out a thing or two about you. Let's take a shot. Okay. All right. I'm nervous. Let's see what well, we get. At, at this point, you can decide if you want to pass on this. And and, and by the way, Andy, um, only <laughs> one guest gets uh, the same question. So whatever question you get, you answer. No other guest this season will ever answer. The question before yeah. you here is, would you rather meet your great-great-grandparents or your great-great-grandchildren? Oh man, that's a really interesting question. Been on the wheel for some time. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, and tough decision. Funny enough, I just this past weekend I went and did this uh, this sound healing meditation uh, session class, whatever you want to call it, out in the park. And uh, this really awesome uh, like mindfulness DJ yoga guy like led us through this session where like he's on a head headset and we're in headphones doing this meditation for an hour and he did this thing that i'd never been through before where you uh actually like face and see all of your ancestors before you 
and like give a message to them. And then you turn in the other opposite direction and you face everybody who's coming after you, right? Your lineage. And uh, it kind of like brings it real to bring it back to this. And gosh, I, um, (laughs) this is so interesting. I would love, love, love to meet my great, great grandparents and find out what their life was like and what they went through and how they got to, um, you know, what they did through their life and what led to me being created today. But I think I'm more curious about my great, great grandchildren and what their life is going to look like and what my legacy, if anything, they obviously, they won't know who I was most likely, but the legacy that I created through my children and their children. um, Although I'm now thinking now from a logical perspective, I'm taking a bigger risk with that answer because I might not have great, great grandchildren, whereas I know absolutely that I have great, great grandparents, uh, but I'll stick with it. I'll go meet with the great, great grandchildren. I like it. And I think you're selling yourself short too. You're leaving quite a footprint as it is, Andy. They are going to know who you are. I have no doubt. And there'll be a plenty full being the family man that you are. I have no doubt. You are the right guy yeah. to answer that question. All right. So let's go back. And, it, uh, by the way, just yeah. as, can I add a side note on that? Yeah, sure. Because I'm a big fan of stoicism and I, I read, uh, you know, regularly. Uh, isn't it interesting that we place so much importance on everything we're doing? We're talking about like, hey, you know, get past your fears and go for this thing. Um, to really think that like, for the most part in two generations, unless you're like a famous president or business like leader, like most people are not going to know who you were. Nobody's going to remember you. So like, why not at least go for it and live life now? It does put it into context. <laughs> it's the right thing. It, it really builds on what we were saying before. You know, it's, it goes well beyond regret at this point, right? In yeah, the big scheme of things. I know it's sad to think that, but it's, but it's true. Like think about who you know from over a hundred years ago, it's, unless it's, there are some famous uh, you know, person in history, like even people in your own family, unless you have a copy of your family tree, you probably don't know who they were. Right. It's not sad if it becomes the motivator to make something great happen. There you go. All right. All right. On to the next. Okay. Here we go. Andy, does someone come to mind as being the most inspiring leader? Yeah. Um, yeah. There's a few in my mind. Uh, Barack Obama was a very inspiring leader for me. Uh, you mentioned Claude Silver, who is amazing, but uh, her boss, Gary Vaynerchuk or Gary V, as I mentioned, I'm a super fan of his. And uh, I'd say he's the most inspiring leader that I look to, uh, not just because oh he puts out great content and he helps so many people. Right. But if you really dig in and look at how he runs his company and how he handles things, and I've kind of been on the a little bit of the inside uh, with all the things that I've done and everything I've seen, I've just been blown away with how great of a leader he is and how he models all the things that he talks about. And, um, you know, I don't want to be exactly like him. I don't want to be exactly like anybody else, right. but I do learn a lot from him and I'm inspired by the way he leads and all the things he does. And, um, I learn a lot. And so I'd say he's the most inspiring leader I can think of. Yeah. It's a good call. I mean, he does provide a lot to emulate. He's, he's, uh, he's right there. Uh, making affecting lives, um, incredibly, and 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 I yeah. uh, I I always appreciate whatever I see from Gary Vee. All right, now I'd love to keep spinning the wheel. We had ten other choices we couldn't get to, but we do have to move on to your insights to live oh, by. Man, I like I the know. wheel. I really like I the wheel. It's a, whole it's podcast a fan, just it's a of the fan wheel. Favorite. Well, I could keep going all day if you want, Andy. Um, <laughs> now this could be in any order. I know just from talking with you already. 
uh, it's probably very challenging to narrow down any number of insights. You know, this could be something that uh, a grandparent, a great grandparent has passed down from the generations that, uh, Mm. or advice that you often feel yourself give others, those pearls of wisdom that you share to impact the lives of others. Those are also called Z-isms, by the way. Insights to live by, same thing. Um, I like it. All right, so these are these are the three life lessons. Right yes, here, right? indeed. What would be uh, your first insight to live by, Mr. Storch? All right, so um, I, I hastily wrote these down. Uh, you know, I have so many lessons I've learned over the years from so many great people, uh, from so many books, from listening to so many podcasts like this, um, and connecting with so many people. And, uh, you know, there's just lots of things going on in this head. But three lessons I wrote down that I believe kind of tie in with each other. So the first one is live life for you. And we've talked about this already Um, But obviously, like I wrote this book, Own Your Career, Own Your Life. Taking ownership is about taking personal responsibility, but it's also about figuring out what it is that you want and then going for that and building the career and the life that you want and not worrying so much about what other people think. I know that's a hard one to get away from, but if you look at, you know, for example, there's a book, The Top Five Regrets of the Dying. Uh, The number one regret is I wish I would have lived a life true to myself and stop worrying so much about what other people think, right? So that's a big one. And I'll cap that off by saying uh, something that I I say a lot with my book, which is that nobody cares more about your career than you do. So you've got to be the one to own it, right? You can't wait for anybody else to do it for you. Right, yeah. And uh, and look, you got some data there that you're referring to to back it up. And and I'm sure it hits home for a lot of people. And look, we're all, we're all, intertwined in our lives, whether it's, you know, with our, our spouses, our families, all the demands of life, our jobs, it's very easy to, to lose ourselves in everybody else. And the, the, the intentionality that has to go with coming back to center and, and really being in tune with what it is that is, is right for you. And, and by doing that, uh, you're, you're being true to everyone else around you. And I think that's, that's important for people to recognize. So I love that. I love that. What, uh, what comes next for you on your second insight to live by? All right. So now we're going the opposite direction. The first one is that you need to live life for you. The second lesson is that it's not all about you. Uh, we are part of a bigger culture. We're part of a bigger state, a bigger country, a bigger world, right? A global world. And not to mention all the people that come before you and after you. Uh, there's tons and tons of people out there that we are part of. And I think a lot of times people... Not that they necessarily think they're better than anybody else, right? But tend to make things about themselves when it doesn't need to be. And this includes a lot of times taking things personally when it's not, you know, a car cuts you off in traffic and you're like, oh, that guy's trying to screw me over. Like, no, he doesn't even know who you are. And he's in a hurry to get to work. Like, You have no idea what's going on in his or her life or their life, right? And so we have a tendency to make things so personal, to make things so important about us and everything going on in our lives when there's really such a bigger world out there, 8 billion people in the world doing their own thing on their own journeys. Um, So consider, remember that it's not all about you, that we are part of a bigger thing and that the more you look for ways to help people, to treat people with kindness and respect and uh, generosity and help others, uh, the more it's going to benefit you in the long run as well. I love it. Yeah. And and very practical. I think we, we do tend to associate uh, and take things personally. Uh, the, the example of being cut off in traffic is is a good one. And that a lot of that comes down to just individual energy management and making sure that, that you're, uh, you know, you're staying in your zone and not letting other people, uh, you know, sap your day uh, because they're in a hurry to work and, and aren't being, you know, courteous. Um, thank you for that. All right, Andy, now your third insight to live by, uh, could be on a level playing field, could be the big kahuna. 
um, it's still yours. Yeah. What, what is your third insight to live by? The third insight, and this uh, takes some inspiration from the Stoics. It takes some inspiration from Gary Vee, who we talked about earlier. And uh, this is a balance that I'm always trying to strike, and that is to be ambitious, to go for those things that we talked about, but also remember to be patient and to be grateful for the things that we have today. And remember that life is a journey, right? And so it's great to aspire for the big things and try to climb the mountain and get to the top. But it's really the journey that is the most fulfilling part of life. And so we've got to remember to enjoy the journey, to come back to gratitude for the things and people that we have today and not always save our happiness for, oh, I'll be happy when I get to the top of the mountain. I'll be happy when I get the promotion. I'll be happy uh, when I meet that certain person. Why not choose to be happy today, to be grateful today for what we have while you're also striving for those things? And that is the balance that I'm always looking to strike in my own life to be ambitious, but also be patient and be grateful for what I have today. Andy, it's a rare occasion. I have to say, I have I have no inclination to add any commentary to that whatsoever. <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> Thank you for nice. that. Um, and because it was so concise and wonderful, we do have time to go back to the wheel one more time. Would that be okay? Yes, the wheel. The wheel. All right, here we go. We don't often get to a third question, but... This one is asking what few people know. What do few people know about you? Some kind of an oh, insight. Uh, some kind of disclosure you've never told anyone. This is your chance to, to disclose here on the show. <laughs> it's your outing moment. Um, or we could pass on this question. If uh, you know what? I uh, I wanted to go back to the wheel, but I really don't like this question. I am such a... You, you started the no, podcast no more. by talking about how authentic I am. I share everything. The, I don't know what the, people don't you're know. You're the guest. And so we have already right. moved on. We have landed on your karaoke song. Are Ooh, you... Karaoke song. Do you ever find yourself... So many. Um, oh, okay, good. We're in, we're in the but, zone. But, uh, you know, the go-to for me... And it's, and it's a popular one. It's not obscure by any means, but uh, Don't Stop Believing by Journey. And uh, the story behind it is that uh, I used to live in LA and I had season tickets to LA Dodgers and uh, they played that song every game, uh, the seventh inning, and it became such a rallying cry. My wife and I are always, always singing it. Uh, and then later moved to San Francisco where they were from, uh, City by the Bay. And I've uh, just always loved that song. It's such a great song to get you pumped up and love singing it with others. Have you thought about integrating that into your talent development conference? I haven't, but I'm going to think about that for the future. I can see it. I'm Don't feeling it. Believing. I'm feeling that with you. Um, yeah. Andy, uh, wrapping up here, uh, I know that there's a lot out there that people can benefit from in learning more about you and resources that you have in various places, first being andystorch.com. We'll have this in the show notes. Also, the talent development think tank is tdtt.us, also in the show notes. Anything else, any final thoughts that we can go back to our core topic, something came to mind that you wanted to say? Do you feel like we've been complete with what we're uh, trying to deliver here to our listeners? Uh, this is your yeah, time. We've got a lot of, we've got a lot of good stuff out there. I'm everywhere on social media, especially LinkedIn. Feel free to connect with me on there. I do have bonus resources on my website for anybody that wants more. Obviously the book is available on Amazon, but I have, if you go to ownyourcareerownyourlife.com slash bonus, I have uh, the report on the top five steps to owning your career, as well as the top five most common career mistakes people make. So you can go there and download those. And I would just remind you that nobody cares more about your career or your dreams than you do. So you've got to be the one to take ownership and go take action on them. Well, little did you know, Andy, but you just delivered a fourth insight to live by. Thank you very much for being our guest here, sharing 
all the valuable wisdom and insights and uh, more on the horizon for people to go and take ownership and go get. Andy Storch, thank you again. Thank you, Matt. Hope you enjoyed this episode of Insights to Live By. Please feel welcome to connect with me on LinkedIn and Instagram and make the most of our free resources to improve your life for good at mattzinman.com. Wishing you and yours an enriching day, and we'll see you next time.